adventure. As the biggest Italian season in forever gets underway, we've got everything you need right here. Goals, CR7, strange music, and Lazio fans versus nuns. It's Golazzo! Hello everyone and welcome to Galazzo. So, Saturday evening, the city of Verona, the Bentagodi Stadium, as Juventus unveil their new star signing before a worldwide audience. Kids, adults, making lines to get into the stadium. What is the buzz in the city ahead of kickoff today? Well, Verona hasn't seen crowds this big since 2006. Hang on, that sounds familiar. James Horncastle. Hello, James. Rocking uh, ESPN USA. Uh-huh, yeah. All right. <laughs> That's a treat for the listeners and viewers stateside. Mm. Okay, well, yeah. great. You could make it back from Verona in time to drop this golazzo and drop it in the company of Gabriele Marcotti. Dottore. Great to be back. And by the way, uh, Verona's not where we record this, obviously, but it's not that far away. You could have probably hitchhiked back. Yeah. Of course, we could have just come over to you. That would have been easier, James, because you're in Italy the whole time at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm quite often. Most are you weekends. back out? Are you back out next weekend? Friday, yeah. Are you? Yeah. All right. For, is that for Juve Lazio. Yes, it is indeed. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, this game, their debut. Let's start with that. So much to talk about. I mentioned nuns, all sorts of other stuff. Great stuff, Carlo Ancelotti. All sorts of things, Gab. But let's begin with the opening game of the season, which was Kievo Juventus, which finished three-two to Juve, a winning start, but only just. How was the debut? How was the whole build-up? How was the whole experience, James? Well, you could feel that something big was a, uh, was about to happen. I mean, I got there sort of lunchtime, kickoff was at six, and a few disgruntled uh, markets uh, sellers who'd been told to wrap things up early because the security presence was just so big. They were talking about it being the biggest since um, the Pope had visited Verona in, okay. since 2006. And uh, just milling around outside the stadium uh, that afternoon, you could have been forgiven for thinking it was a Juventus home game. Uh, I know Kiev are not the biggest club in Verona, but still, there were just hundreds and hundreds of, of Juventus fans bossing in from all over Italy. And uh, it was amazing when, when the Juventus bus finally kind of uh, weaved its way into the neighbourhood where the Bentegodi is, because... Yet all of a sudden, fans kind of rushed the fence where the, the car park was. Fans who were already in the stadium basically came out on the upper tier ringing um, the Bentegoli to get a, get a glimpse of, of the Juventus boss and Ronaldo. The probably loudest cheer of the day uh, was when Juve came out just to warm up. Um, and just the sheer presence of fans there. I remember it was close to a sellout. Was, yeah, curiously, there, there, there's one section of the, of the stadium that was completely empty. Yeah, I mean, there, there are two reasons for that. I mean, one was that Juventus's ultras have been protesting since the start of the season. Um, About the high ticket prices. High ticket prices, Juventus's opponents are all sticking them up. Um, Udinese are doing that for, for the next away game, I think, as well. <laughs> and then, there's the, I was told there's this there's this pact between Kiev and Hellas Verona mm. where when Hellas are not playing, Kiev basically don't don't allow anyone to sit in the in the Kudovanod, which is right. where the 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 Hellas boys sit because it's sacred territory, mm. which is something we'll touch on later on because the Iriducibili, uh, everyone's favourite Lazio fans, are coming up with a, a similar story down in Rome. It's a. I mean, sorry, I'm going to stick up for the Verona fans. I know it's weird doing that, given that, you know, they're lovable, odiamo tutti, we hit everybody banner and everything. Although, they're the one Ultras fan base in Italy that 
openly say they're inspired by the styles of Millwall and Birmingham City Zulu Army in the 1970s. So respect to that. But I can kind of see the point to, in the sense that Verona have a big stadium. This is where the Verona fans sit. It's not their stadium, admittedly, the Bintagodi is owned by the council. Oh, and you can tell. <laughs> but, well, yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, with all the issues with that come with council on grounds. But this is kind of their space. Right. You know, and Kievo, to I be don't, fair, don't usually need it. Yeah, no. Kievo never need it. Kievo yeah. averaged, I think, under 10,000 fans or right. 11,000 fans last season. Most of those were visiting fans. And mm. there is a sense, I think, look, Verona exists football-wise because they won the title. Mm. And they are Verona. And Kevo stopped being this lovable underdog story a long time ago. It's really tiresome now. And as we discovered this summer, for the second time, incidentally, all this business, all this funny business with those dubious player swaps with Chizane and whatever else, you know, the reality is Kevo could face criminal charges and Kevo is already facing a sporting charges and they could get a points deduction and, you know, hopefully this little nuisance will be gone. Wow, that's quite, that's, no, that's, I'm sorry, but I, listen... My tolerance for cheating as I age is is getting less and less. Right, okay. So take that as a warning. Okay, well, a club that doesn't know anything about that kind of thing, of course, were their opponents this weekend. And how was their performance? How was Cristiano's debut? It was a big game, so as usual, Dybala went missing. So. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think, um, I mean, they started on the on the right foot. They got in front very early on and you had know, conversation in the press book kind of turned, well, how many are they going to score here? You know, when's Ronaldo going to get his first goal? And they, Juventus had the kind of supremacy in that, in that first half. They just didn't kill the game. Allegri was complaining afterwards that, you know, they didn't, they could have scored a second, could have scored a third. And instead, I think they kind of got lulled into this sort of, yeah, we're on top. A goal will come. And in the end, they allowed Kievo back in. And, well, uh, but this is an illustration of the fact that, you know, only in Serie A, this is a league where there are no easy matches. They're 2-1 they're down in the, in the game <laughs> that unveiled the new Ronaldo era. They're 2-1 down to the, the Flying Donkeys game. Yeah, no, they were. And I think in, 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 in some ways, you know, it's also... I think we also sort of foreshadowed, and again, people are going to say I'm being overly negative about Juve. I'm, I'm not, just that I think there's some... And I'm running a piece of this for, for, for ESPN as well, but... There are some issues that Allegri is going to have to solve, which is fine because he's got issues that he has to solve every year. This is mm. what makes him a great manager. He finds creative solutions. Um, Joe Cancelo, defensively, he's one of those attacking fullback types who's a winger masquerading as a right back. If you want to be unkind, you might even say, hey, look, maybe there's a reason why he couldn't get into the Portugal side for the World Cup. And, you know, we're talking Portugal here, not exactly France. And then all of a sudden, you know, he comes to, to, to Juve. People are like, oh, look, it's the new Danny Alves. Yeah, defensively is what he is. He gave away that stupid penalty. I think the main issue, Ronaldo-wise, and he was motivated and lively. At some point, you need to figure out what the hell kind of formation are Juve going to play? So what did they do on, on Saturday? So on Saturday, they went for the, I suppose, the marquee formation, the good formation in theory. So they say, well, we have Cristiano. He's unstoppable in the air. He's the finest goal scorer around. Let's get him two wingers, Cuadrado and Douglas Costa, to go and, uh, like the way I did the Costa thing, um, to go and, and, and supply him service, right? And then we'll have Dybala around, ferreting around, inventing, and we're going to have 80% possession anyway, and then Pjanic will be behind. Um, you know, <laughs> again, they, they, as James said, I think they had, they had the better of the game, but... It's not what Cristiano did for nine years in Madrid. And I think that's something that could come up. Cristiano 
People say, well, now he's really a center forward. He's not the flying winger. Yeah, he's not the flying winger anymore. But what he is, is he's a striker who always gravitates to, to the left. I think he map showed that in the last four years, 45% of his time was spent on the left flank, which is less than before, but it's certainly more than you would expect for a guy who plays up front on his own. So there is talk of him moving out to the left of a, of a front three on... Which is on, what they did in the last half hour. Yeah. Okay. The, th- the, the issue with that, James, is if you play him on the left, somebody's to play center forward. Right. And you have Mario Mandzukic, who in some ways is ideal because he's sort of like the bigger, more Croatian Kareem Benzema in the sense that he works hard and he's unselfish and he's a physical presence uh-huh. and he's tactically aware. But the problem is there's only one Mandzukic. And he's 32 years old, and he had the World Cup, and he came back late from the World Cup because Croatia got to the final. They don't have any other center forwards. Yeah, I mean, I will bet you guys lunch that in January, Juventus buy a center forward. doesn't have to be a good one. It can just be a guy who works hard and ferrets around and takes the lumps. You know, it could even be a Simone Zaza type. Matri. Or, um, (laughs) you know, and all of a sudden, that'll that'll make, you know, everything better. Just because you can't expect Mandzukic to play every game. It's just not, Mm. it's just not realistic. Well... The next game for Juventus, which you'll be going to at the weekend, is uh, their home debut for this season in City A, where they'll be taking on Lazio. We'll, we'll talk about that clash and Lazio and what's going on with them after this. The voice for you sentire l'urlo più grande! Yeah, introduced by Jax of Articoli Trentuno. Sister Cristina there with her extraordinary rendition of the 883 classic Liani on The Voice, the Italian version. Which she won. Did she win it? Yeah, she won. Damn. Yeah. What, what could have beaten that, I ask <laughs> you? God on your side, and saints and apostles backing up from behind. Boom. Yeah, the Vatican's still very powerful. Well, you and know you can what? sing. She's got pipes. She has. And, and what a tune. Listeners familiar with that one. Sisters, I've got another target next. <laughs> it's the Iriducibili, the, the, the Lazio, the hardest of the hardcore fans for the Bianco Celesti. After they, on the opening weekend of the Serie A season, declared the Curva Nord on Spazio Sacro, a female free zone, a, a, a space, if you like, only for hymns. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, right. The, I mean, you, you may have read this, uh, listener. The Curvenord is a sacred space, environment with an unwritten code to be respected, which is ironic because they'd written this down. They then <laughs> write listed. <laughs> the first few rows, as always, have to be experienced like the trenches. In the trenches, we do not allow women, wives, and girlfriends. We invite them to position themselves from the tenth row back. Anyone who chooses the stadium as an alternative to a romantic walk in Villa Borghese can go to other areas of the Olimpico. Wow. Um, just wow. Now, one the provisional head of the uh, Fede Calcio said that he thought it was maybe a joke, but it's not, is it? No. 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 It's for real. I, I mean, they kind of do this every year. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of show of power. I remember last year, for example, I think it was the opening game, they issued a, a similar kind of leafleting campaign where they were saying... Um, we've seen a fall in standards in the dress code among <laughs> among ultras. You know, we need to see more Stone Island. We need to see more of this. Oh, they listed the brand. Oh, yeah, exactly. What was what was acceptable um, ultra garb? Um, so I think there's an element of that. Um, and again, but yeah, this is this is beyond that. This again. So the FEGC, mm-hmm. the the Italian FA, have, have have said that there's no question there's going to be disciplinary action against. So beyond stupid. This is 
I honestly, okay. <laughs> I said, I don't have no great love for these people. I right. find that many of them are racist, fascist, lunatics. Or worse, people who pretend to be racist, fascist, lunatics just to get a rise out of people so, or to beat people up or whatever. But come on. This is an area of the stadium where they sit, mm -hmm. okay? They're saying, we want the first 10 rows to be hardcore people like us. Well, no, What's, they don't say that. They say men. Right. And they are men, so they want people like them, yeah, yeah, other men. The reason this came up yeah. is that because, obviously, it became kind of cool for some people. First of all, some of these guys got yeah. girlfriends, possibly for the first time in their life. And it became kind of cool. Oh, let's go hang out with the bad boys and stuff. Let's take selfies. And, and take selfies. So it's diluting and, the... You know, we're not saying the, the entire stadium or not even an entire section of the stadium. We're saying the first 10 rows of a certain area of the stadium where we sit anyway, please do not bring wives and girlfriends, people who are not ultras, people See, who are not us. I, I, and by the way, there mm -hmm. aren't, it's not as if, and you know, this is a reflection upon them, but it's not as if the Uchibili as an organization are sort of half men, half women, and they're excluding their women members, mm -hmm. right? No, they're almost, I don't have the exact number, but they're almost entirely dudes. How does that so, make it any better? No, it doesn't make it better, but what I'm saying is, what they're basically saying is, these are our season tickets that we've all paid for. You are a member of this group. We ask you not to limit yourself. And if you bring other people, bring right. people who are members of the group. Okay. Don't bring no, but people. Gabriele, that's not right. what they wrote. And I agree with you. Had they put that Volantino out, uh, don't bring people who are not affiliated. No, because they, coach, they, they coached it in their stupid language, which yeah. is which is part of well, that's know, what exactly makes something why. that rhymes with I bankers. But, <laughs> but for, I think for the a... FA to get into this, it's no. just demented. No, it's not. I think that the problem in Italy is that for so long, all these little things have been tolerated. And you go, okay, they declare that a, an area of the stadium is not for women. That's just the most ridiculous thing. No, it's not the most ridiculous thing. The most ridiculous thing was last year when they put out all those things and saying Frank's Anne Frank was well, a Roma that, that fan. Was, I mean, that, yeah, that but every time, you know, and, and what punishment do they get for that? Nothing. It's Swart Paola, but they may have bitten off more than they can chew because the, the nuns are coming. She's right? having none of it. <laughs> <laughs> so she's another great kind of... That's your fan. Yeah, she's indeed. Well, yeah. famous in the 90s, another great kind of TV-going uh, sister, Suor Paola, who the Italian version of uh, Soccer Saturday, Quelli che il calcio, she was the kind of designated correspondent at the Stadio Olimpico and became you know, massive. Yeah. So she said, I'm surprised my friends in the Iriducibile would put out something like this, which already my brain is a little bit... <laughs> my friends... <laughs> <laughs> Did, what about the stuff last year? Was that an issue? But she says, I'm going to go in myself. So I, mm. when is this showdown planned to happen? When is Swar Paola going to take the Curva Nord? I imagine it'll be the next home game, no? I, please <laughs> televise this. <laughs> yeah. I know, I kick kick like... the habit. I hope they don't. <laughs> <laughs> we're giving the, you, I wonder where you got all those clever puns from. I wonder so, what rubbed off on you. Um, but yeah, I I hope she goes in there. You know, if she goes in there, you know what you just, what they're going to say is what I said a little while ago. What's they that? Sure, like, Paula's legit. She's one of us. She's always been one of us because she's legit. What we don't want, James, is your you know new Swedish model girlfriend going down there. And taking pictures of herself so she can send to her Swedish friend or the IKEA furniture. All right, but that's, I mean, I, I agree that that might well be their intention. It's not something I personally would agree with, but uh, that's not what they said, you know. And they said something which, you know, from a, an organisation 
or a, a group that has had so many problems with racism, with intolerance, with bigotry, for them to come out with a statement about wives and girlfriends belong, you know, we're in the trenches. I mean, you're not in the trenches. You're, you know what you are. Yeah, we know what you are. That's their brand, and I think people draw their own conclusions. Well, indeed. You're listening to Galazzo, the totally Italian football show. Turns out that Suopala is not the only old lady that uh, Lazio have to worry about, because this weekend they're going to be in Turin, mm. taking on Juventus. Do you want to talk about their chances there? Because Lazio coming off a defeat in their opener at home to Napoli. Yeah, I mean, of course they they went to the Juventus Stadium and, and beat uh, the old lady uh, last October, uh, and that was after beating them in the in the Super Cup as well. Um, you say defeated rather than beating old ladies. It sounds a bit <laughs> <crap>. <laughs> um, But yeah, I think last season because they got to start it early with that Super Cup, they obviously had that huge win against Juventus. It created a real sort of confidence belief in the group that they were able to take into into the season. Um, I think watching that game against Napoli at the weekend. They played well for the first kind of 25 minutes, half an hour, and then they seemed to really fade. And you could tell that this is a team that hasn't played all that much, hasn't had a pre-season, really. Why have they not had a pre-season? Well, I mean, usually uh, Lazio are the team that are playing Europa League or Champions League preliminaries. Mm. As I said last year, they had the Super Cup to come back early right. for. And, yeah, they looked quite leggy in the second half of that Napoli game, where Napoli, I mean, to look at them on paper, they had, what, only one of their new signings and hardly the the most exciting in Carnesis in goal. Um, a lot of the numbers suggest not a lot's changed from Sadi's time. What, 637 passes, 63% possession. This uh, The goal that got them back into the game what? felt like a trademark Sadi goal. Yeah. A classic of uh, Insigne kind of going away from goal and then playing this reverse ball over the top to the far post um, where he always seems to find Callejon. And Callejon squaring it for, for Milik, um, who was starting. Um, Dries Mertens was, was on the bench. I know Mertens was obviously involved with, with Belgium up until the semi-finals of the World Cup, came back to, to pre-season quite late. Um, but I wonder if Ancelotti's going to you know, introduce a bit more of a, a direct style. Right. Um, well, as long as Milik stays fit, because that's been the Yeah, the and, and when, when Mertens came on, it was for Insigne, so it was almost like going back three years right. um, to, to when Higuain was leading the line and, and Mertens was the guy who, who basically stood in for Insigne. Okay, well Insigne who scored the, the what turned out to be the, the winning goal. Yeah, Lo- another Lovely goal. finish. Camp, what do you think Carlo Ancelotti, a man who you know so very well, uh, what do you think he is going to do? Is he? He's talked to, I think, about, about not changing too much the football that he's found there that Maurizio Sarri has left. What do you think the prospects are for Napoli under Ancelotti? Well, it's, it's interesting because... I think Ancelotti, maybe more than most other managers out there, really is a bit of of a shapeshifter in the sense that he can play not just different formations, but different styles. He's not wed to a philosophy. Um, You know, while some of his training methods and stuff might have been different, you know, the first year that he was at Bayern, for example, it was very Pep-like, certainly in terms of uh, in terms of outcomes uh, and whatever. I'm not saying he's a copy of Pep, and I want Bayern fans harassing him, telling me how stupid I am, but uh, and how rubbish Ancelotti is. But you know, he he builds on what's already there if he thinks it's good. 
Um, now, obviously, going to have some challenges. Obviously, th th there's no Jorginho. You know, Fabian Ruiz is supposed to be really, really good, but he's a kid, and Italian football is different than Spanish football. It's going to take time. I don't think Zielinski can can play that role with any kind of regularity. Diawara, maybe one day, but you know, Jorginho is pretty unique in what he does. So, yeah, I think we will see more directness. I think he's also mindful of the fact that Mertens is is a year older now uh, as well. Mm -hmm. um, and you have Milik, and why not use him? And and the other thing is, it's not like a departure from Sarri. You know, no. Sarri signed Milik. Sarri would have played Milik, certainly in the first season. The guy hadn't gotten injured, and then in the second season, he got injured again. But what's interesting, I think, is in the build-up to the game, there was so much tension between Napoli fans and De Laurentiis, and they're blaming him and saying, like, look, you know, you spent all this money on the manager, but, you know, you didn't make any, any significant signings. I don't think it's quite fair. Because I mean, he bought Bari. Yeah. <laughs> that was his house of Fraser. It's a whole other issue, but you know, but you know, I I think Alex Meret, who I I hope will be given given a shot, because um, uh -huh. the alternative is, is Ospina or Carnesis, you know, yeah. and, and no disrespect to these guys, but you know, Meret I think is the future, and um, you know, he only lost, he only lost the goalkeeper and. They lost a central midfielder. You know, they lost nine elevenths of the team is is the same, the mm. starting team. So, you know, I I think that there's stuff to build on. They they added Verdi, which gives them another uh, another option, and to me is also kind of a hint that we might see more of Merchants and Milik maybe alternating at center forward rather mm. than Merchants being turned into uh, into a winger again. So no, I'm I'm not so down on on Napoli uh, at all. Well, they've got an interesting start. I mean, it's a brilliant beginning for for Carlo with three points at the Olimpico, and next up they're back at the San Paolo. This is this Saturday evening, hosting of all clubs Milan. Do, do you kind of wish you were going to that game rather than one in Turin, James? Uh, yeah, I think this is the the biggest game of the the weekend. Right, oh, Ronaldo in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first official meeting for Carlo Ancelotti with Milan since he left him in 2009. That's remarkable. First official game for Paolo Maldini is, yeah. now that he's back after, what, nine nine years as a, well? A lot of old friends, you know, reuniting. Of course, uh, Higuain, Gonzalo Higuain, yeah. who's, who's got an amazing record <laughs> against yeah. uh, Napoli since leaving. Mm. Five and six. Yeah. He looks like the, the best centre-forward they've had since Inzaghi. You know, that number nine shirt has been... A bit of a bit of a curse, bit of a burden for for anyone who's come in. Um, I mean, to be honest, they've they've given it to some pretty dodgy dodgy guys. Uh, we, we might be getting our second Matri reference. <laughs> just just a warning. There's a lot of excitement around Milan. Yeah. Uh, what, what what do you make of this Milan, Gab? Um, well, first of all, the snake oil salesmen are gone. So that in and of itself is. Uh, is good news for Milan. I think they've, they've gone all, all in. You know, Maldini and Leonardo suggest to me that, you know, Elliot, uh, even though we've all been told that, you know, they, Josh is likely to go and sell tomorrow if they could and, and they could make money. They're saying, like, well, while we're here, let's make it work right. Right. And, and, really and try medium to long term. That's yeah. what they've been saying. But, and, and trying to bring in even Gatsidis as the, as, as the what, what would you call Chief it? Chief exec. Chief exec, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think... I think we'll get, you know, in September, we'll know if that happens. If not, I mean, Umberto Gandini, who's the chief executive at Roma and been at Milan for, for 18 years in the Berlusconi era, I think there's a chance that he could be coming back. They might even both come back, share the role somehow. Um, I like what they've done in the transfer market. I think Caldara, you know, is, I think getting, you get Bonucci's wages off and you get Caldara in, um, 
Did they win that? Because we, we we touched on this last week, but we never really we never really brought up the debate about whether someone had lost out in that transfer, which saw Higuain and Caldara move to Milan in exchange for Bonucci going back to Juve. Yeah, I I, I think I think Milan won that. Yeah, one, I do as personally. Well. Yeah. Um, yeah, even if just for a season. I mean, it's, mm. it's an enormous loan fee that they're paying I mean, for. I think anyone who watched. Bonucci, Mark, and Stepinski <laughs> there would say, yeah. say it's a win. But. but just in general, I'm excited to see to see Conti back. Um, obviously, if they're missing virtually the whole season last year, I, I thought he was outstanding. At Atalanta, it's a shame Locatelli's gone, but you know you can only play so many guys at the same time. Bakayoko, I'm not so keen on, but he can be a disruptor in the middle, and he's still young, and he'll have some resale value, I, 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 I presume. And and they hung on to Suzo and Donnarumma as well, mm-hmm. you know, which, which no one expected. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's a thing to take for granted. I mean, I think maybe after Elliot took over, people said, mm-hmm. "Okay, well, these guys are going to stay now." But I think you know that's another kind of win for the summer. And the other thing about Milan, you know, I think a lot of I don't know. Did you have him in your top four for this one? Yeah, for this season. Yes, a lot of people did not. But what I think a lot of I mean, I, I'm with you. I have him in the top four. Um, and who, who else do you have there? Juve. Uh, no, I don't have you. No, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have you. You've entered in Roma, and I have of Napoli. Napoli. Somebody's got to miss out. Okay. So Napoli and Lazio out in the second half. Yeah, in the second half of last season, only Napoli and Juve got more points mm, than uh, than Milan. And remember, this was Milan. You know, with Gattuso, with with, with Fassone saying his nonsense, with with Lee, with all the uncertainty around the club and everything. To me, that makes a statement. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that Gattuso is the greatest manager in the world, but it just means that I think there was enough of, of, of an esprit de corps there, there was enough of a unity there that, you know, they said, guys, you know, let's make this happen. And I think, I think you know, there's a really good vibe there. Mm. And I think that can make a difference. I think one of the issues last year was, I mean, they bought so many players that Montella was confused. There was no continuity with the team that he'd done quite well with um, the season beforehand. Now, the players who have stayed, because I think it's also quite a statement that Leonardo's basically got rid of all the big signings that they signed last year. Hmm. Andre Silva, who did score a hat-trick at the weekend, Bonucci, Kalinic, they've all gone. Um, the but, expensive signings more than the big signings. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the ones who stayed, this will be their second year. Hmm. I think they'll be more familiar with, uh, with their, their surroundings, the league, and with Gattuso after, you know, what, six, seven months working under him. So they should hit the ground running. So this weekend away in Naples where they haven't won in eight years now, are the Rossoneri going to get three points? I think that's a big ask. Yeah. Uh, this early, but I mean, I think it's definitely the tie of the round. Mm. Huge game. Some other very intriguing fixtures coming up uh, in the second round of the Serie A season and uh, one or two other interesting results we should talk about from the opening set of games. We'll, we'll, we'll do some of that in the final part of this Galazzo after this. sul secondo palo dove c'è Dzeko che prova al volo mamma mia mamma mia il cigno di Sarajevo all'89esimo fa un gol straordinario one of the goals of the weekend there hope you enjoyed it listener uh, Justin Cliver with a fantastic run then crossing for Dzeko who with a pretty special volley salvages three points for Roma away at Torino maybe a little bit undeservedly but anyway a fantastic start uh, for De Francesco they've got a, another big game coming up this weekend 
Roma. They're at home to Atalanta. Ooh, did you see Atalanta's performance uh, Monday night? I yes. did. So yeah. And Papu Gomez's performance. Yeah. Well, Atalanta, five competitive games this season because they're in the Europa League prelims. 19 goals. Mm. Wow. And it's not like they were playing like Red Imps from Gibraltar, right? I mean, obviously, <laughs> you're not playing great team, but they're playing, was it, was it Hapoel? Yeah, FK Sarajevo. And, yeah. and FK Sarajevo. And they played Copenhagen, Copenhagen on Thursday. Copenhagen on Thursday, Be right. Be afraid, Copenhagen. Mm, they're coming okay. for you. It's the Cornelius Derby. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so they don't have any issue with the Thursday weekend, kind of, but maybe because they're playing on, on Monday each week at the moment, so it'll be a Monday night game against Roma. Gomez, who scored two, set up the other two. Just magnificent. I mean, he's the talisman of that of that team. Um, just, I mean, we talk about him a lot, so you can't really say he's underrated, but you look at him and think he should be playing Champions League football mm. or playing for one of the, one of the league contenders because... I mean, he's been making the difference on a consistent basis for them now for three years, and it's just such an exciting play to watch. Looking forward to that game on Monday. The only one of the kind of big title contenders that didn't win in the opening round. Lots of thanks you, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> As I say, the only one. Once again, welcome underrated, in the unloved. You make fun of their ultras. He said you know, he you're about them. to make fun of Simone Inzaghi, you know. <laughs> Simone Inzaghi, one of the few people who's burped into my microphone. Oh, yeah? yeah. He did a gazer. He did a gazer on me. Yeah. Yeah. I asked him what he thought the... about something, and he just went, well, you know, he burped. Wow. And he's supposed yeah. to be the normal of the two brothers. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm still marveling about his transformation into a managerial genius. Um, but anyway, sorry, uh, of the other big teams, apart from Lazio, Inter were the only ones who didn't win. They were defeated... At Sassuolo, they, did they? There was a lot of VAR this weekend, and it's so much slower than the Russian version. And I, I mean, it seemed to me. Well, I mean, the Russian version was largely guided by the Italians, no? Yeah, yeah. that's true. So why is it that the the VAR was so ponderous? It's a different set of Italians, and yeah. because also it's just an issue of sample size, and okay, they need to get their reps. Yeah, so, okay. I mean, anyway. So, but basically, so Inter lost uh, to a penalty. From Sassuolo, it was a 1-0 defeat there. Um, they were outplayed. They were yeah. outplayed. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? They were outplayed because the Zanby, I think, is a really, really good mm. manager. Last season, he took over Benevento, and people were all like, oh, well, you know, ha, 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 look, he's playing such open football. What a fool. They're going to they're gonna stink. And then Benevento nearly pull off a miracle, right? I'm not saying Sassuolo's like Benevento, but he does have a better group of players there. And what well, was a bit... It was a bit disappointing. It was also a bit, you know, par for the course with Spalletti. Afterwards, complains, well, the pitch, and there's no screen here, and there's no nine Golan. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But nobody put a gun to your head and said, oh, look, play Dalbert at left back. That's a really good solution when you've, you know, when, when, when you've signed Asamoah, who can obviously play mm. that position. Mm. Lautaro, maybe not exactly, you know, it's like teething problems coming, coming from, direct from Argentina, right? Um, I thought he really struggled and mm. maybe we got a little carried away with him. I think he's, he'll come good, but he's very young. It's a different right. brand of football. But I don't think Inter were, were that bad. I think this actually was a case of, I mean, not give credit to Sassuolo, Sassuolo yeah. for and, playing and, and really to the well man who, and did Zerbi. And the man who pulled the strings for them, talking about the prince, Kevin Prince Boateng, back. <laughs> back in City. I, I think there were, there were better performers on the night for Sassuolo than, than Prince. Okay. Uh, Prince did a couple of things really well. I mean, he was playing in this false nine role, mm. which 
apparently he played for Las Palmas. I didn't see a lot of Las Palmas, but Dizedby was supposed to get that job at one stage. Um, so for those who don't know, Las Palmas under Kike Setien played just insane attacking football. Mm. And Dizedby was was a fan of that. You know, obviously, when we say attacking football, like, it is for, for their small clubs who go. But they basically, they say it's kind of like... You know how they say, like, if you're surrounded by a bunch of thugs, just, you know, punch the biggest guy in the mouth. Yeah. And then everybody will be scared of you and they'll mm. freak out. Wait, this isn't supposed to happen. It's kind of the way Las Palmas played. It's a little bit of the, of the, of the, the Zerbi with that. And yeah, you know, I'll put this giant German man, German Ghanaian man in a false nine position and Spalletti won't know what to do. And I thought, you know, that was part of it, you know, mm. threw him the curve. I mean, they, they had what a, it wasn't even a counterattack. They just, they played the ball on the floor throughout the entire game. When Inter went to press them, they, they went, were completely undeterred. They stuck with that style and Inter came onto them. And yeah, there was, I think only just after two minutes, a real kind of shot across the bows where they eventually got it to Prince and with a great flick, just played in Budapia, I think one of their things. And yeah, they were running at them and, mm. uh, and scaring Inter and, they did that pretty much all game, as and as Gab said, just targeted Dalbert over and over and over again. And of course, it wasn't the only big beat that uh, Prince has laid down this week because his rap single, King, came out, uh, I think, was it Monday this week that, mm-hmm. that, that dropped? It's a very exciting track. It breaks new ground, I feel, in the whole, what used to be known as the hip-hop world, Gab. It sounds like this. I live my life like a king, living with no pressure. Prince there with King, confusingly. But it's not the only rap track from a Serie A player. There could be a rap battle emerging in Serie A right. this season. Okay, well, this is entry number two. This is the Atalanta goalkeeper. Pierluigi Golini. Uh, but in art known as? Golorious he is. <laughs> but it's disappointing he's not chosen to go with that. He, but he's laid down quite a kind of, what would you call it, a reggaeton kind of... Yeah. I, I like, have a listen on this. This is Glorious with, what's this, a rapper called Guanti, rapper with gloves. Listeners, get you know, get on the hotline. Give us your vote. Which one of those goes through to the the, the city of rap battle next weekend? Yeah. I, seriously, let's make this a, a thing. Next Galato, we'll have. Let us know which one you you rate. I know where my vote's going, and yeah. we'll, we'll see who we can come up with I next think week. Galini was inspired by Papu Gomez, really? who had a yeah. hit single. Well, that maybe next week. Yeah, two his years teammate. Ago. Yeah. yeah. Boom. All right. Can excellent. you really fairly compare hip hop and reggaeton? Well, yeah. I mean. I mean, you, you're far more musical than I am. I, no, I hate all music. After but, you know, James which Dixon, one but... do you prefer? You know, it's it's just something inside. What also I like about Glorious's effort is the way that he, he basically chronicles a young man's dream mm. and how it involves a lot of running upstairs, which is something I think we can all buy into. It's, there's an, it's a bit there's Rocky-esque, a... isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Inter, same old, same old, Gab? No, I think, I think look, Spalletti's a great coach. I think they'll get better. I think just, you know, having Skriniar there, have some more uh, at left-back, 
you know, Raja, they'll be, they'll be when better. he's not in the club. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Raja, if he's not taking a cigarette break, you know, Lautaro Martinez will come good. We, 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 we've seen that. You know, the Croatians, they were all, this is something like afterwards, you know, Spalletti points out, oh, the Croatians are all tired because they played in the World Cup finally. Mm. Yeah, okay, you know. I think that received some coverage in Italy, even though we weren't in it. You must have, you know, <laughs> this mustn't have been news to you, you know. Um, boy, Mandzukic looked real tired in the last <laughs> half hour for Juve. Well, this weekend, Inter will be hosting Torino, apparently a crowd of 60,000 for what is the Nerazzurri's home debut. Yeah, well, they had the, the biggest average attendances in the league last year, which, you know, shouldn't come as a surprise. They play at San Siro, but I do think it goes to show the kind of belief that there was in Spalletti. Lazio played the Stadio Olimpico. What kind of attendances did they get? <laughs> well, no, but, you know, last year, uh, yeah. both Inter and Milan drew more than 50,000 fans. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Is a big stadium doesn't mean in any La Madonina's league. back. That's, that's all I'm saying. All right. You know, we, 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 we back as a city, I'm talking. All right. Just, all right, so, And by the way, yes. given you mentioned, given we've talked about Ronaldo and that yeah. number 50,000 now, huh. so Real Madrid, for the first game without Ronaldo, drew less than 50,000 fans. You know, probably playing in the middle of August at 10 o'clock at night, but there's no Ronaldo. The last time they drew less than 50,000, do you know what game that was? I do. You do, because you probably saw my retweet, or maybe the original from 2010, Was it Mr. when Chip. Jonathan Woodgate debuted? No. Okay. It, was, uh, it was the last game of the pre-Ronaldo era. Really? Yeah. Yes. And Ronaldo's debut on Sky Italia uh, was the fourth best watched game yeah, no, I saw in that history apparently I, I was a little bit underwhelmed by that yeah. stat like you know it's not even top three <laughs> well I mean it's on just on the fringe of the top three you know well, yeah. Sky, Italia, Sky Italia had the rights to the 2006 World Cup by the way which, yeah. which oh. Italy won yeah. right so <laughs> just to, put, to provide some context yeah, there okay fair enough um, super well the, the weekend's uh, fixtures then you got uh, Cagliari Sassuolo Fiorentina Chievo ooh, Frosinone We'll be hosting Pippo Inzaghi's Bologna, who lost at Spal last weekend. Genoa take on Empoli. You got Inter Torino, Spal Parma, Parma with a two-two draw against Udinese. Udinese themselves will be hosting Sampdoria, and on Saturday, Juve Lazio and Napoli Milan. Your your fixture of the weekend, Napoli Milan. If you had to pick one other one out of that, I think so. Although since you mentioned Cagliari, we should go back to this at some point. Uh-huh. There's a wonderful or weird, wonderful backstory to it. So Dario Serna, uh-huh. okay, who is, he's one of those guys who certain football hipster connoisseurs rate as some kind of like Danny Alves type, you know, iconic figure, spends his entire career just about in the Ukraine. And then, you know, it's 250 caps for, I'm exaggerating here a little bit, for Croatia. And then what does he do? He gets suspended. fails a doping test, gets suspended. Misses out on Croatia reaching the World Cup final and uh, and now ends up in Cagliari. And when does the suspension end? I think it's I think it's ended, hasn't it? Oh, is it? Yeah, oh, really. Uh, where he will be partnering uh, the Paolo Maldini inspired Ragnar Klavan in Cagliari's defense. I, I love it. I All love right. it. Well, Cagliari will be hosting Sassuolo. We'll be back next week. Might try and fit in a bit of nostalgia, but if there's as many current stories to cover as, as there were this time around, then who who knows, listeners? Uh, do join us for that. I hope you enjoyed the weekend, whatever it is you're up to. Gab, James, many thanks for being with us for now. From all of us here, it's Arrivederci. Italiano. No.
You've been listening to Galazzo, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and make sure you check out our other podcasts this season. The Totally Football League show with Caroline Barker and the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven.